you are not alone. Welcome to The Clark and Linda Show. This is our real relationship, experiencing change after addiction and betrayal. We're learning to connect, to feel safe and confident in marriage. And you can too. Because I believe in you. So today we're going to be talking about the number one thing that we've found that's helped us uh, through this journey. Uh, This is something, this one was kind of my idea, I guess. Um, In our Meta Moroni group, uh, our facilitator, whenever we have somebody new to the group, uh, they'll introduce themselves. And then the facilitator usually goes around everybody in the group and says, what's helping? What is it that you're finding is helping you? Through this journey. And since our podcast is new, it's kind of like you're all new to our group. And so, what's that? Show. Show. Yeah, it's a show, not a podcast. It's both. Because right. it's a video and it's a podcast. Anyway, you're new to us. We're new to you. Whatever. <laughs> um, but we thought that maybe a great way to start would be to talk about uh, the number one thing that's helping, which is hard. Because there's a lot of things that are helping, and so to try and narrow it down is, is tough. But we both took some time earlier today. Our kids were playing at the park, and we were talking, and we kind of tried to figure out um, what's the thing that's helped us the most. So I'm going to start out the same way I did in the park and ask you, what would you say is the thing that's that's helped you the most? Um, you know, Maybe even this time compared to other times, since this isn't our first rodeo, but, uh, how's it different? What's, what's helping? So something that I thought, uh, back during other, um, disclosure days, um, was I'm doing, I'm doing enough. I'm doing all that I can do. So he's just, you've just got to do what you need to do to fix this, you know, yeah. and stop doing what you're supposed to be doing and start doing what you're supposed to, or stop doing what you're doing and start doing what you're supposed to do. Right. So, so that's kind of what I thought. Um, but this time around, I felt everything needed to be different. Everything had to change. And the one scripture that I, um, that, I, that kept coming to me was, in Alma chapter 49 in the Book of Mormon and in verse 8 it talks about how Moroni was the captain and he was training everybody uh, all the Nephites to protect themselves against the Lamanites that were invading and trying to attack them Um, and one time when they when the Lamanites tried to invade they um the lamanites had found and this is what it says in the scriptures it says but behold to their uttermost astonishment they were prepared for them in a manner which never had been known among the children of lehi um now they were prepared for the lamanites to battle after the manner of the instructions of moroni so basically to me this scripture says that they prepared for them in a manner which never had been known nobody does this nobody like the things that we need in our life in our family for our protection is not going to be what other people need and 
for us, we needed to change everything that we were doing. We could keep some of the things that we were doing, but we did have to change a lot of the things that we were doing or not doing and add things in that maybe seemed over the top for some people and maybe seemed like too churchy or too too much. That's too much or that's too extreme, some people say. Um, you know, you, you don't need to do that. That's too extreme. And, you know, something that I've talked about before is that it's not fair that Satan gets to just have free reign and do whatever he wants. But when it comes time for me to do stuff, it's like I can't because that's too churchy or too preachy or too righteous or, you know, too extreme. And so um, we need to level the playing field because the adversary was and still is attacking our family and um, through you, right? And so we needed to change everything. And that, that was the first time that I realized like we can't just keep going it's not gonna work that way um and so yeah I am still reading this worthy of her trust book by Stephen Arterburn and Jason B. Martinkus sorry I'm really bad at reading names um (laughs) maybe they're just really bad at having easy names to read (laughs) yeah um so something that that we talked about was your ability to just tell me the truth, like tell me everything. Even though I found out because I saw something on your phone, even though it was more of a discovery, your willingness to open up and tell me everything, no matter how bad it was going to hurt me, actually did help with being able to know that you were willing to open up and be honest now, even though it had not been the case um, for so long. But you were now willing to tell me everything and you're willing and those to Those are be hard open. conversations. Yeah. It's yeah, I mean, they, they were really hard to hear too because, you know, as your wife, like I don't want to hear that, you know, I don't want to hear that you were looking at stuff or, you know, anything inappropriate or anything that made my shame come out like all of my shame came out all like all at once it seemed like and it just never went away um and so that so that was like the number one thing that helped like at least i what i can remember is that we needed everything to change and the number one thing that had to change first was the honesty, complete, utter, just flat out honesty. Doesn't matter what it was or anything. Um, and you knew it was going to hurt and it was really hard for you to share. And I could tell that when those late nights and things like that, it was really uncomfortable for you to share with me some of those things because I was asking questions like all the time. Um, and 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 some questions when you when you guys talk to to each other and talk to your spouses like some question you have to think about the questions that you're asking and what you actually want to know as a spouse of an addict um, because 
some things you might not want to know. And so I did have to arm myself before I could ask you certain questions. Like at the beginning, I was just like spitting it all out. I just wanted to know. But then as time went on, I realized, you know what? I don't think I can handle all that honesty at once. So I had to start like putting on my own armor even more. So, you know, I, before I would ask questions, when the questions came, I would start writing them down um, on stickies because they would just come up throughout the day, just like from triggers or um, just random thoughts that uh, you would start thinking of while you're cooking or while I was helping with the kids or while I was uh, taking somebody to school or while I see somebody, um, just all those things. I had to start writing these questions down and I couldn't ask them all at once. I had to make sure that I had enough armor to protect myself against anything that the adversary would try to play against me when you're trying to be completely honest so that it wouldn't affect me in a more negative way than it than it would right because i still wanted to get down to the truth but yeah um anyway i'm probably taking too long but the in this book that i was referring to um it's He talks about how white lies are off the table, period, um, in any situation. And and I thought that that it was true for what was going through, for what we were going through. Like, I didn't feel like you were lying to me. And so that helped me realize that you were open to that change that we were trying to to undertake in our family. Um, And so that really helped. And even that was kind of hard. It was funny. Uh, we, we talked about this earlier today, but there was a guy in my group um, who was new. And during his introduction, he was talking, you know, about what he was struggling with. And he said, you know, and I'm a compulsive liar. And I think anybody who um, who has dealt with addiction uh, ends up becoming a bit of a compulsive liar. And I remember talking to him after um, our group session. And I, I said did you ever find yourself lying about stuff that like really didn't even matter? You know, it was like, you weren't trying to cover up anything. You didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing to be ashamed of. And yet you told a lie anyway. And it was like, Oh yeah, all the time. And it was just weird. Like somehow lying became a habit and I lied about all kinds of stuff for no reason really. And, and so going from, you know, telling lots and lots of lies and some necessary, some some necessary, some even. inconsequential, and it was hard because I still felt like I was being me in a way. I was just hiding away part of me, right? And so it wasn't, you know, like I was trying to become a completely different person. I just had to change this one behavior so that I, you know, so that we could foster trust. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had told myself, oh, those other lies, they don't matter because it doesn't matter one way or another. The only lies that really matter are these lies where I'm covering up, but that's the part of me that I don't like anyway, so we have to keep that part secret. And it was just, it was harder than I thought it was going to be to be honest about everything. You know, sometimes I'd catch myself not even lying, like holding back a truth, um, and doing it for a reason. I remember writing a journal entry um, 
where I was like, today I learned that um, being completely honest isn't just the absence of lies. Um, I think there was a day where um, I had to stop by the office um, for something on the way to a job. I was going to a job and um, I left and I stopped by the office and I was getting something. And while I was here, Linda called me on my phone and I saw my phone ring. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, no. Like, she doesn't know that I had to stop by the office because I didn't mention it. There was, you know, there's nothing bad. I was just getting some gear. But I picked up the phone and said, hey, how's it going? You know, tried to just put on a normal, you know, like, I'm happy to hear from you I remember type this. of voice. Yeah. And your first reaction was, you're not in the car. <laughs> like, she could tell just yeah. from the sound of the phone, like, what, I thought you were driving to a job. And all of a sudden, I, I could see, like, oh, there was this oversight on my part where I hadn't said I'm stopping here. And now she got something unexpected. And we were in already a spot of really shaky trust, right? I mean, this was in the early, early days. And, and this is still the early days, you guys. Still like sure. six months. But yeah, there's still triggers and things that happen. But yeah, but yeah I could like tell really that fresh. she was totally triggered by the fact that I wasn't where she thought I was going to be at the moment that she called. And I wasn't doing anything wrong. But just the fact that I hadn't mentioned that I was coming into the office was like this oversight. And so I had to learn not only to be to be truthful in everything that I said, but also to be very careful um, about saying everything, you know, or at least everything that was needed to create safety. And so that's something you have to be very conscientious of, you know, talking through exactly what, what needs to be known. Can I, can I read this? Oh yeah. For you? Of course. So, so this kind of reminds me of what he's saying right here. Um, it, he says, if you lie about being a few minutes late to dinner, you'll probably lie about looking at porn again. If you can't tell the truth about what route you took home from work, then you probably won't tell the truth about contacting your mistress again. If you can't be honest about how much money you spent on a new tool, then it, would be, it wouldn't be a stretch for you to lie about your whereabouts last Friday night. Further, if you've been busted in your struggle or addiction, you probably lied about it in some form or fashion along the way. You lied about the severity of it or the intensity or the duration or the timeline, or maybe the people involved. The extrapolation your wife makes is justified. And so, wives and spouses, you are justified in thinking all these thoughts when they're not being completely honest um, anymore. Because that's number one thing that I felt like, like I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't feel like I need to know every detail, and I shouldn't feel like like needing to to know where he is at all times and needing to know all these things but all of a sudden when when you're thrown into this situation of this betrayal trauma you have this desire to like need to know these things to to kind of help build that trust and you just don't know what to grab onto and so for me it was I was just trying to hold on to the things he said were things that I could either trust or not trust. And so as you're building trust, for me, I felt like when you said something, because you had 
lied in the past, I was like, oh, well, he's going to tell me the truth now because he doesn't want to lie to me. So anything that he said, it was like in stone, you know? And like 10 minutes at the store was more like, you know, he needed to be, I'm going to be gone for like 17 minutes, you know? It needed to be that accurate. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be that accurate now because there have been other things that have built trust. But at the very beginning, you don't know what to trust. You don't know where, what, you know. I remember even even going to, like, group meetings. They don't keep, like, a great schedule. I didn't know this when I first started going. But, like, we often (gasps) get started a little late and and we go a few minutes over depending on what people are sharing. And I'm a late person. I don't mind people being late. Yeah. I I totally understand. I learned right away that... Like, and, and now I think you kind of know, and I don't always, but like, if we were going long, like if you were expecting, cause I would call you after group and yeah. be like, Hey, group's over. And on the way home, we'd and already you know start me, talking I'm about all stuff. Like, yeah. And so time calling me after. I would, you know, at 10 PM, I'd be like, Hey, we're going long, you know, don't worry. Everything's okay. We're just yeah, sharing some awesome stuff. And so we're going over in group. And I think even just recognizing how much that meant to her because I didn't at first like it took me a little bit to start to understand why that was so important and why you were justified in those feelings and so once I realized that like my sharing or sometimes even what felt like oversharing created safety for you it became way easier I was like oh yeah I need to make sure that she knows what's going on because that information equates to safety and here's kind of what I'm thinking like while you're saying this It's like the fiery darts of the adversary will come at you at all times, right? And But they're more specifically targeted when you're in betrayal trauma. Um, And so so to take this example, um, at 10 p.m., for example, I would start getting crazy fiery darts, like... (laughs) That's not, he must not be at his group meeting because he would have called you by now. Or, you know, well, what happened? How come, how come he's not calling you? Like the fact that he could have gotten an accident was so far from my mind. Like his safety was not an issue. But the fact that like anything, everything else besides group was currently happening at that time. Those were the fiery darts that that I was getting, oh, is he trying, you know, maybe he's not calling me first. Is he calling a mistress? Is he calling, you know, who's he calling? And, um, you know, I, even knowing what he disclosed to me after I discovered, still, I don't know the 100% truth. And we'll talk about maybe um, like a polygraph test. I know that people talk about those. Um, and they also talk about the formal disclosure with like a therapist and stuff. And we'll talk about that in the future. But, but yeah, like I, we didn't have any of that. And so I didn't, I didn't really know what to believe. And so even though he did tell me all the truth, I'm like, well, is it really the truth? You know, you got those fiery darts coming at you. Like, okay, now he is telling me the truth, but really is that all the truth or was, is he still holding back? And so those are the things that you, you know, as you were, working to build that trust and and do those things and tell me those little details that you would not normally have to tell me 
really did help build additional trust so that when he starts telling me other things, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, yes, there's been a past, but I could fight back those fiery darts with things that I really know or thing, you know, uh, we talk about being really in tune with the spirit and this is where you have to have all of that armor on, do your scripture study and prayer and, and ask heavenly father to bless you to know what is true like how there's a talk by elder bednar um and it's things as they really are i think it's a byu devotional speech or something and yeah go look that up because it's really good but it talks about discerning those fiery darts like would heavenly father really try and tell you like your husband is lying to you you better go check up on him or (laughs) Would he say, it's okay, he is where he says he is, and if he's not, then I will help you through it, you know, kind of thing. So, um, But from the guy's perspective, too, I think that recognizing your wife's need for safety and information, one of the things, I I can't even remember when it started, but um, I think every couple has those little things they say to each other, and uh, one of the things uh, I always say to Linda is, I'm always thinking of you. And it's true, he does. But but whatever you can do to prove that, right? Like yeah. when you can prove to your wife that her safety is important to you. You know, just the fact that I was texting and calling and checking in I I think demonstrates like hey, I am thinking of you. I am always thinking of you and I'm concerned for you and your safety. And I think putting forth that extra effort, even though from a guy's perspective, it might seem like a hassle or it might seem, it might seem crazy. You know, you might think like, oh, I've already told her all these things. Why can't she trust me? Well, you've done things, you know, a lot of things that have made it so that she can't trust you. And it's going to take a lot of time. And, you know, like just because you feel like you've turned over a new leaf doesn't negate the years of lying that have happened and all of the things that you've done in an instant. And so you need to be willing to go overboard in trying to be completely honest and help her feel safe. Yeah. So there's another part in this book. Can I read it? Of course. (laughs) So this book, I just barely, uh, one of my friends, uh, sister warriors from worth, uh, recommended this book and it's like awesome. Um, So it's kind of long, but bear with me because it's really good. So it says, the first thing is freedom. Violating trust through a breakdown of sexual integrity implies that you use your freedom to the detriment of your wife. You've broken the marriage contract that requires both of you to use your freedom for the other's benefit. In order to make things right and thus restore your wife to her previous state... You'll need to give up your freedom, including your privacy. And so that kind of goes into the fact that, you know, you felt like you needed to share more, which you would think that some of that stuff is private. Like, why would I need to share, like, every detail of where I'm at? But that's definitely something that helps. Um, And then at this point, your freedom is not a virtue but a liability because your misuse of freedom violated your wife's heart. 
I urge you to surrender the freedom to come and go as you please. The freedom to have privacy, the freedom to talk to whomever you please, the freedom to be online at any time, the freedom to live without accountability, and the freedom to be lackadaisical in your relationship with your wife and with God. And so it's like crazy because we talk about how much agency we've been given and freedom to do all these things, but when when you've done this, it does make sense that no longer like uh, relinquishing, I guess your freedom to your wife gives her additional ability to trust you, you know? And so um, it's, it's almost like, it's like Satan had you in his chains and, and you didn't have freedom then right so you chose to kind of give that freedom up but now you're choosing to give up your freedom for the safety uh and you know confidence in your marriage to your wife and so i feel like it's almost like instead of giving your freedom to the adversary you're just giving it to me which is so much better than giving it to the adversary but i think in doing so you gain like her trust back yeah and I, and i never looked at it exactly like that i mean i i i, I think it's well stated um i think it's a, a, a great thing that you read um i don't know that i looked at it as giving my freedom to you um but rather trying to submit my will to the lord's and at that point yeah. it meant surrendering some of that freedom to you right it was like hey right now i'm incapable of making the right choices so i'm going to give up some of my freedom and and just do what you want me to do right now and that's you know i felt like what he was saying was right now you need to turn you know you need to be a hundred percent open and honest with your wife and you need to turn over some of those things and be completely transparent and um so, I mean, I, I get what he's saying, but yeah. to me, um, I don't know. I, I felt like that was, I don't know. I always I get a little bit leery with like, oh, you give up your free agency to somebody. Um, True, because you still have that free agency. Yeah. To choose. Uh, but it you was, could still it was my to choice to, to, to do that um, for your safety. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah. Well, and I remember when you started doing your journaling, because in your Menomoroni program, they talk about you having a journal, and you were starting to write it to me. Yeah. And that's like a lot of pressure for a wife to be like your accountability partner. And like, I, I didn't, I didn't want that. I can't fix you. I... You know, there's nothing about me can fix you. And so I thought that it was, so I told you, I was like, I can't, you can't put my name on there. <laughs> I was like, do not say dear Linda. I'm like, this is not, this journal is not for me. Yeah. And so, so now you write it to. I write it to future me. Future you. I'm, yeah. I'm writing counsel to future me or uh, sometimes it's complaints to future me or sometimes it's i don't know but yeah i'm i'm writing to the future me 
who will hopefully be a better me and a wiser me and a sober me and I don't know. Yeah, I I write to that that person I want to be. So yeah. So we're but running short on time. But because I can't change you, I was just going to yeah. say, like, who's the ultimate person who can change you? You know, who can we give our agency to, like you said, you know? And it's like you said, like, you give your will over to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so summing up, let's see if I paid attention, understood. Um, so the number one thing that helped you was doing things that we had never done before. Like our willingness to just come at this from a completely different way and say we are we're willing to be extreme. And among all the things that we did, which I'm sure we'll talk about some of those other things in different episodes because we we made a lot of changes, but the most important of those changes was complete honesty and transparency with each other. Um, Just being willing to be open, uh, knowing that you could come and ask any question at any time, and I was going to answer it, um, knowing that I was going to try and be open with you, even when sometimes maybe it didn't create safety for you, right? Like there were days where I was struggling. But oddly enough. And I'd I'd, I'd tell you, like, hey, this is a tough day. And and somehow that still helped because I was being honest, even though it wasn't what you wanted to hear. You didn't want to hear that, like, hey, I have this desire to go numb out um, because I'm dealing with some tough stuff today. And that's that's a tough thing to hear. But it was better than me trying to cover that up. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, we went a little bit longer than we thought we would, which is like we said, these are unrehearsed. Um Kind of our raw thoughts and emotions. I'm sure that we steered off the course a couple times <laughs> um, in sharing things. But we'll we'll tackle my number one thing in another episode. And for now, thanks for watching and listening. This has been the Clark and Linda Show. You can find out more about the Clark and Linda Show on our website. ClarkandLinda.com Or follow us on the socials. At Clark and Linda. And what was the homework? Oh, yeah. <laughs> homework is... I should have... This was my talk, idea. Go, I should have had homework. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, depending on where you're at, either talk through what's helping you the most or what you need the most yeah. to help you through your recovery and your healing. Uh, get real. Get open. Get honest. Since we know that that's something that's crucial, that helps every couple, open, honest communication is the key. And so start talking through what's helping or what do you need in order to, to get that help. Thanks.